Graham Smith. We established the Mothers Program to provide a reliable source of information about pregnancy on the internet with the goal to improve mothers' health through education, research, and screening. The Mothers Podcasts are an extension of that. Today, we're going to be discussing pelvic floor physiotherapy. Our guest is Cindy Oshenkloss. Cindy's a pelvic floor physiotherapist and the owner of Kingston Pelvic Health and currently working for Interior Health BC. Cindy, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you, Graham. It's a pleasure to be here. We've touched briefly on the pelvic floor in our podcast with Dr. Margie Davenport and Nicole Beamish, but as promised, we wanted to have a whole podcast dedicated to the pelvic floor and pelvic floor physiotherapy because it's so important for longer-term health. I know that there are a number of countries, Holland is an example, where individuals are referred for three months of pelvic floor physiotherapy after childbirth. Can we start by explaining what the pelvic floor actually is? Well, the pelvic floor can be imagined as a bowl of muscles, fascia, nerves, and vessels that line the bottom opening of your pelvis. In the front, the muscles attach just behind your pubic bone, and they run back towards the sacrum and tailbone. When you contract the pelvic floor muscles, they should lift and they should squeeze. The squeeze action will narrow the opening of the vagina, rectum, and urethra, and the lift action brings the muscles upwards in a forwards direction. Imagine that it pulls your tailbone towards the front of your body. The pelvic floor is a dynamic and fascinating group of muscles with several functions. The pelvic floor is actually quite busy. It is involved in supporting your pelvic organs. When turned on properly, they almost come up and hug your pelvic organs. It contributes to maintaining urinary and bowel continence, often a function we don't even think about until we lose it. The pelvic floor is a key player in lumbopelvic stability, and it plays an important role in sexual and reproductive function. The pelvic floor also works as a sump pump to regulate pressures and fluid, which at eight months gestation, with swollen labia and a heavy pelvic floor, you're likely to appreciate. So essentially, it's like a bowl or hammock of muscle that supports all our organs. And as the uterus is getting bigger, baby's growing, this hammock of muscle essentially sags down into the pelvis, which contributes to the increased pelvic pressure that an individual experiences towards the end of their first pregnancy and earlier in subsequent pregnancies. If we go back to before pregnancy or even during early pregnancy, is there anything an individual can do to prevent this from happening? One of the most important things you can do before pregnancy is to learn how to activate the pelvic floor muscles properly before they go through all the changes that are associated with pregnancy. The pelvic floor muscles are hidden from view, and it can be tricky to know if you're turning the muscles on correctly. In many cases, we do see women whose pelvic floor muscles are actually shortened or overactive. And by doing an internal exam, a pelvic health physiotherapist can tell you how to exercise your pelvic floor muscles so you can make them as healthy as possible. We want the pelvic floor to have good mobility to achieve maximal lift and closure, as well as strong and powerful movements. This may involve stretching exercise, mobility exercise, and of course, Kegel exercises. So you mentioned the Kegel exercises, which I suspect many people have heard about, but my understanding is that a lot of people don't do them correctly. I've heard it described that in the middle of peeing, you should practice stopping. People contract many muscles, including their gluteus, which are not part of the pelvic floor. Is that correct? You are correct. Graham, up to 30% of women do not perform Kegels correctly without instruction from our clinical experience. We see a much higher percentage of women not performing Kegels optimally. I would not recommend that women try to practice their Kegels while peeing, as this can create problems with normal bladder function for elimination. And you definitely don't want to add your glutes into the mix, or for that matter, the muscles on the inside of your thighs, or to feel bracing through your abdominal area. The glutes and your hip muscles 
live on the outside of your pelvis. And they will not help you lift the pelvic floor muscles properly. In fact, in most cases, when women do turn on the glutes or adductors too strong, the pelvic floor has a more difficult time contracting. If the abdominal muscles are turned on at the wrong time or with too much force, they actually create a downward pressure into the pelvic cavity that can reduce the effectiveness of your pelvic floor muscle contraction. Trying to stop the flow of urine to see if your pelvic floor muscles are working at all can be done, but only every once in a while. And please don't do it as an exercise. You should only attempt to do it during the final part of elimination and not at the start. It sounds like the Kegel exercises, without the involvement of a pelvic floor physiotherapist specialist, really aren't effective because people contract the wrong muscles. Can you explain what a person might expect during a clinic visit to see a pelvic floor physiotherapist? Yes. When we see a patient in clinic, we start by taking a history. We ask a lot of questions that gives us a good idea about their health and how their pelvic floor muscles are functioning across their different roles. Many women have symptoms that they don't even relate back to their pelvic floor muscles. To properly determine how your pelvic floor muscles are functioning, we do do a vaginal exam. The exam starts with a thorough observation of the health of your external genitals and follows with an internal pelvic exam that doesn't use a speculum. The vaginal exam is performed to test the tone or the stiffness of your pelvic floor muscles, to evaluate the power, strength, and endurance of your muscles, We also check asymmetries. We want to see side to side are the pelvic floor muscles working differently. We look at the mobility and stability of the pelvic organs. The motor control assessment is often of greatest value. We are checking the timing of when the muscles come on, how much lift, how much squeeze you're able to produce, and if you're activating the muscles in a way that helps you support the bladder neck and to compress the urethra, which helps you to maintain continence. It sounds like a really long process, but the vaginal exam itself takes less than 15 minutes. Because those pelvic floor muscles are inside your body and you can't see them, the palpation exam helps you to learn to feel those muscles working properly from the inside. Some women are uncomfortable with vaginal exams for cultural reasons. Some people have experienced abuse in the past, or they're just really uncomfortable with it. We can get around that. It is possible to help without the vaginal exam. It just may take a little longer, and you'll definitely want to have an experienced therapist who can guide you through the process properly. One of the annoying problems that affects many individuals towards the end of pregnancy and early after delivery is urinary incontinence, specifically with laughing, coughing, or sneezing. Is this a result of the pregnancy changes in the pelvic floor? Well, it is a very common and annoying problem that can be a result of a few different things. It's important to understand that whenever you leak urine, it's a result of having too much pressure in our bladder and not enough pressure in our urethra to prevent leakage. The urethra is the tube that urine travels in when we're going to the bathroom. When we cough, laugh, and sneeze, we create a lot of downward pressure on the bladder. The pelvic floor muscles may not turn on at the right time to help compress the urethra. They may not turn on with enough force, or they may be in the wrong position when they turn on. Obviously, the pelvic floor is under a lot of strain towards the end of pregnancy while carrying the extra load, and the bladder is under a lot of extra pressure from the weight of the uterus. We see that the pelvic floor muscles are not effective at giving compression to the urethra to prevent leaking. They are overworked and can't contract strong enough during pregnancy. Post-delivery, we find that the pelvic floor muscles have lost some of their strength and motor control and are not sitting in the same spot. So yes, pregnancy can definitely contribute to more urinary leakage. So if someone is interested in pelvic floor physio, 
When is the best time to start? Is it during pregnancy or after delivery? Well, in an ideal world, I advise women that seeing a pelvic floor physio between 18 and 22 weeks is a perfect time to start. At this stage, the muscles have not changed too much, and it allows us to teach women to properly turn on the pelvic floor muscles. This can often be done in one, maybe two visits if they need a little extra instruction. If no major issues arise, we'd likely follow up with them towards 30 weeks, as this is a time when we start to see women experiencing more pelvic girdle discomfort, heaviness, which we can proactively provide education on to reduce the bother of these symptoms. An essential visit for us is the visit just before delivery at or around 37 or 38 weeks. At this appointment, we go over important delivery suggestions, how to push, and how to manage things after the delivery. I tend to see that when people come in during pregnancy, they do have fewer post-delivery visits. If an individual doesn't start pelvic floor physio during pregnancy, is there an ideal time point after delivery, recognizing how busy they likely will be with the newborn baby? Is it ever too late? I don't think it's ever too late for them to come in. And I recognize what a life-changing scenario it is to have a new baby at home, especially if you have maybe a toddler or other children. So in best case scenario, women can come in at six weeks to get started. Most of what we do is to provide support and education to them. Many women are overwhelmed and they do not need to add more stress into their new world. However, in the early post-delivery period between zero and three months, the pelvic floor is at its most stretched out and weakest point. And the pelvic organs are the most mobile, making this a crucial time for rehabilitation, but importantly for protection. With new moms, we provide a time-efficient exercise routine and spend a lot of time brainstorming so that the exercises can be incorporated into their new busy schedule without overwhelming them. If they've had a cesarean section, does it change when uh, you might want to start? No, we would still say six weeks post-delivery. We can definitely start getting them doing some breathing exercises and getting them to do some gentle pelvic floor work, which actually helps to gently mobilize some of the scarring that's deep down underneath the skin. So beyond the time of actually working with the pelvic floor physio, how often should a woman be practicing the exercises? So as an example, should it become part of a normal exercise routine? And if so, how often for how long? So initially, when we have women working with us, we like them to exercise or do their exercises in their building phase, usually about five out of seven days per week. In the long term, it's sad to say, but after pregnancy and delivery, we do need to keep our pelvic floor muscles strong. If we completely stop exercising them, we will lose the gains. Typically, when someone finishes with pelvic floor physiotherapy, they're in a maintenance phase where we have worked to integrate pelvic floor exercises into their usual exercise routine. The dosage of exercise they have to do is really dependent on the individual, how much damage they may have done to the pelvic floor, their genetic makeup, and where the pelvic organs are sitting post-delivery. As a summary, it's not a lot of time considering the lifelong benefits. Unfortunately, many of the provincial healthcare systems don't cover either physiotherapy or pelvic floor physiotherapy. For a woman who doesn't have coverage, are there any resources such as online videos that they may that they could follow, even though not as good as working with an actual pelvic floor physio? We are inundated with resources on the internet and through social media. It can be really confusing to know what are reputable, what to listen to. Some of them are free. Others have a small fee associated with them. Following different practitioners on Instagram can give you a good start. Kim Vopney, The Bell Method, and Every Mother are decent resources you can check out. Pelvicexercises.com 
is a site made by an Australian physiotherapy who has a large library that you can view. There's some really nice books too, if you like to have a book on hand. A recent one was just published by Kim Bopney called Your Pelvic Floor. It's easy to read and very informative. Another classic is I Laugh So Hard, I Peep My Pants. This one was authored by Kelly Berzik, a physiotherapist out of Winnipeg. Pelvic floor physiotherapy is clearly an important part of a woman's health during pregnancy, but certainly longer term as well. Do you have any last advice for individuals who are either planning pregnancy, already pregnant, or postpartum? I believe from the women that I've seen, I think what I hear most often is how empowered they feel by learning so much about their bodies that they didn't know. They learn to feel in control of their pelvic floor and pelvic area instead of feeling like it's a foreign place within their body, especially after the life-changing events of being pregnant and having a baby. A little bit of education goes a long way, whether it's obtained from a pelvic health physio in a clinic or learning something online. It's a step in the right direction to care for your body now so you'll be able to fully enjoy those beautiful little babies and their babies later in life. Thank you, Cindy, for taking the time to join us to talk about pelvic floor physiotherapy. I want to thank our guest as well as Adelaide Burroughs, who helped to produce this podcast and for those behind the scenes. We'll put links to the online resources that were mentioned and other topics on our website, www.themothersprogram.ca. The Mother's Program is all one word. If you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for topics or people that we should interview, please use the contact section on our website. Until next time, be safe. (music) 